Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> I want to say this on the record, uh, whilst I balance this hot tea precariously, because it's been filled to the brim, um, force majeure, I'll just go ahead and say it, um, which is also has another title, which is Tourist, which is, I think, like something like 2008 film. It's like Norwegian. There's, there's the new thing, Triangle, with Woody Howson, which I haven't seen, but I hear is excellent. Newish thing. Um, that's directed by the same person who did Tourist or Force Majeure. And it's great. And I saw it, and it's like a Swedish, French, Norwegian production, I think. And it's, and so we saw that the Christmas before last. And then this last Christmas, which we just had, we saw the remake, Downhill, which is written and directed by the people. One of them is Jim Rash from Community. Who oh, also right. wrote the George Clooney, you know, film The Descendants. Nice, the thing, yeah, yeah. Film. and the way way back, and that, yeah, yes, I like that the guy. way way back, yeah. which is a classic film which they directed as well, and so it's the same team. The way way back is an amazing film, and I think they did something else, and he's great anyway. But now, yeah, they did this remake with Will Ferrell and. Elaine Bennis, <laughs> that's not fair. She's in lots of things, but yeah, you know, Louis. I'm really, tr I have trouble with three names because I always <laughs> want to put in like, Julie Louise Dreyfus, yeah, JLD yes. to you and me, Sheppy J. That's the one, yeah. So the original I really, really liked, and it got in my head and stayed in my head, and it's really uncomfortable and it's shot in a very specific way. And it's, yeah, it really draws it out and it's really socially awkward and Scandinavian. And, and it's great. And it has the guy, the big orange haired dude from Game of Thrones as one of the side characters. And it really, really, like I say, stayed with me. And the more I thought about it over the, the, you know, the following, well, months, frankly, but especially over the, the next day, I was like, kept being like, oh, so, and connecting things that weren't connected for me. But I sort of, you know, like the, the, as I was thinking about things later, it was nice. So we saw the remake, and again, it's so it's Jim Rash and the other guy, and the way we're back is amazing. And the third writer who didn't direct it but also took a pass on the screenplay, I guess, is Jesse Armstrong, who worked with uh, Louise um, mm -hmm. during uh, Veep, which he, um, you know, which he worked on. So now he's come off succession well you know it's nice seeing it this film is from a few years ago but i guess it's when succession was airing i think i think yeah. so um you, you so you would expect it to be good and it, and i didn't have unrealistic expectations i kind of i did in fact think it was probably going to be not that great but i went in open-minded and it wasn't that great and 
just made weird choices and there were great bits and of course they're great and the talent behind it they were like they're great bits but yeah it was so lacking if I had just seen it without the original I think I would I mean I would obviously like it more but I think I would still be like okay it's a bit slight and it's especially slight just because the original was very deep um, and it actually takes things out and kind of changes the meaning and changes the focus where I, the way I read it in the original was it's as much, a, it's really, it's, it's best, I would say 50-50 between the man, the couple, the man and the woman. Um, whereas it's 50, it's 60 towards her. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with that in theory, but it does change things when the film is that much more on, the, on one person's side. And so, yeah, um, so, um, so I, I didn't love it, but I would be interested in your thoughts if you ever did see it, because I know you're a big uh, Fell fan. Yeah, I've, it's been on the list, ships for some time. And I, I mean, I don't know much about the plot apart from this sort of idea of, you know, Avalanche is coming and a guy kind of mm -hmm. slightly bottles it and, and looks after yeah. himself first. And it looked like the feral one kind of, prioritized his phone as well or something as well, well that, that as was a factor <laughs> but that that's that sums up the classic hollywood thing of like it shows a big insert of him grabbing the phone whereas he does grab the phone in the original but it's just in the master shot and yeah. you don't feed it to you um <laughs> but so yeah that's that sums up that's a big thing of course but um yes it that's it exactly it's such a juicy premise i was on holiday with marta ages ago now because it was bc before calibos and whilst we were there, I told her about this film, which I guess, I think the Will Ferrell one was just about to come out or was being made. And I knew of the existence of the original, but we hadn't seen it yet. And um, I gave that premise to Marta whilst we sipped cocktails by the pool. And she <laughs> um, really laughed and really dug it. because like, oh, That's amazing. Because yes, family, kids, wife, dude, successful, pretty, you know, doing well grabs his phone, legs it, avalanche, but it doesn't get to them. And it's meant to end. Uh, then the wife's like, you left us all to die. He says, no, I didn't. And then it gets darker and more awkward from there. Oh, blimey. <laughs> have you yeah. ever had a fight or flight test, Sheppy? Like, I I don't know whether I have. To Every time I life. go outside. Every <laughs> time a stranger makes eye contact. That's the perfect answer. Yeah, I can't think of the top of my head right now whether I've ever had one. Um, and, and then chose every the time right I thing. look at myself in the mirror. Oh God! <laughs> Is that the cue to start the music? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I've gone, I've gone dark, I've gone deep because I've spilled tea on my leg officially. So yeah, I, <laughs> at some point uh, it did happen. Um, so there you are. But that's all else I, I wanted to say. Which um, which oh, and I also um. We did see that film with Julia Roberts, the Sam S. Ismail. Oh, film. yeah. Leaves the world behind, hey? What did yes. you make of that? I thought it was very nice. I liked how it kept uh, raising the tension. I went in totally blind. Um, I liked it all. When they, when Thingy Blade and his daughter turned up, I wasn't sure if it was going to become like a home invasion thing and if this guy was somehow behind it. But very quickly, I realized that wasn't the case. And I liked the, how the humor came into it. I had watched the first season and a half of Mr. Robot, and I just kind of fell off it. But I have always meant to go back to it. I'm sure I've seen other stuff that he's done as well. 
but um yeah so i'm I'm all about it and i yeah and i i liked it what about you yeah I, we did too actually same as you it just popped I, exactly as netflix wants you to do it like you know it's in a number one so you perpetuate it and you think Ooh, Julia Roberts, this, Ethan Hawke, I, like, oh julia roberts ethan hawk i only saw it because you told me it was sam thingy and then you told me you had seen it and you um you said something positive about it. I think you you were you were favourable. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was good. I thought the first half particularly was excellent, and then it it was good. It ended well. It ended fine, actually. I thought it was actually it really stayed with us a few days and had us chatting about it and that sort of thing, mm. which was good. And uh, yeah, I, I really quite liked it. Actually, I thought it was great. I thought the the Tesla sequence was nice and cheeky and quite fun. Yes. And um, the, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole sequence with Ethan Hawke out getting the the the, mail, the, the leaflet drop and right. Blade yeah. finding the planes and the, the, you know, all that stuff was really quite spectacular. And it crashing and, into the ocean. Yeah, it had a bit and, of budget. Uh, it, was, it was great. Yeah. And Julia Roberts was very Julia Roberts-y and she was playing against type to start with and then opened up. But, like, that was very fun to see her kind of shake that off and enjoy herself as soon as she was able not to be a bitch for a bit as well it was quite fun yes and then Esmail was great man honestly Sheppy, i recommend going back to mr robot for you because it's got it's a bit like lost it's got some of the best things i've ever seen on telly ever in amongst it you know so it's really something special that that show um and uh yeah it was just it was, yeah it was a, a hoot and a real ballsy ending as well very cheeky ending you know and um yeah, I totally so. agree. Um, I think that's that's aces. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, quick spoiler. I mean, the whole film is is kind of yeah the slow build up to the potential end of the the, the earth, and in that respect, it was similar to Knock at the Cabin, the M mm. Night, um, but this was more kind of less supernatural than than that one, and this was sort of more like us doing it you know not even skynet style but kind of more realistic even um so it was like yeah and so it was very unsettling all the way through and it deliberately kept doing the tension very well but then kept shifting into nice humor and yes and the ending spoiler it was basically the end of the world and also we're told that there's radiation so maybe everyone who's topside which is basically everyone is going to get fucked up now but the kid daughter is in the bunker we could assume therefore she's safe she's not going to get fucked up is it conceivable that no one else is going to find her and even if they do they're still fucked and she's got friends so for her she's she wins and she's going to be okay <laughs> but everyone else is fucked is that's how i see a possibility of an extreme interpretation of the ending that's interesting, Sheppy. I saw it as the I, I felt that everybody else would make it back there, but they probably have all had too much exposure, probably. But um, and there will be this incredibly awkward menage a trois between uh, <laughs> Ethan and uh, and Julia and and our man Mahershala Ali, who was right. brilliant in it, by the way. Can't wait for that Blade now. What brilliant! He's got a real charisma. That guy. I it? hope Blade happens because it, I this reeks of Channing Tatum and gambit to me where this is going to be this one where it's on the cards it's coming it's coming and it's like 10 years and it doesn't happen 
um, and after so so we'll see about that. But yeah, he was great. Apparently, it was going to be for a moment Denzel, um, but then, um, and oh, that wow. would have been a Pelican brief reunion. But it, oh, as yeah. it turned out, it was more like a brief encounter because they weren't in it. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> Ali was Wick. So yes, I liked that. That was very nice. Also, we saw Fletch. Um, well, actually, we saw Confess Fletch, um, which I know you've seen. And I read the book of that like ages ago, but I've, I've read the Fletches. And so it was nice to see a different interpretation. He had Chevy mannerisms, but he was also playing Fletch off the page, which was great. He still doesn't look like Fletch is described, but it's it's cool. It's great. It was lovely seeing Ham doing that and really sort of stretching out. Uh, and of course, it was great seeing Roger Sterling popping up as well, um, being Frank, the boss, who's also in the Chevy Chases. I mean, a different actor. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a treat. And I, I really liked it in a great supporting cast. I don't think they're going to make more because I don't think it was it's going to be like Dread, where everyone loves it. And but they never make any more. And Urban's up for it, but it's like nope. So, but I liked it. What about you? Yeah, I liked it. It's one that's one. I'm trying to remember it now, you know. And all I'm remembering was a warm, fuzzy feeling at the end, and nice sorts of shenanigans in a very pretty upmarket kitchen in New York, and like you know, <laughs> lots of good banter between him and Sterling again, and all that sort of thing. And yeah, like, yeah I just I thought it was great, and I thought. And Ham didn't wear shoes a lot as well, and I'm seem to yes. remember as well. Like, yes. yeah, and all that sort of thing. But it was it was it was nice and happy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Robert Bacardo popped up. And and yeah, um, it was good. What we did so a while ago, like a few years ago, we watched in Cornwall actually Fletch with Chevy, of course. Um, and so after we watched Confess Fletch, we watched Fletch Lives and it was we had never seen it before because you know it's it's not great, but I realized you know I I hadn't seen it since probably with you and that was wow. like early nineties presumably maybe I've seen it since then but I don't know when, I so I really don't think I've seen it since the nineties probably not since the early nineties, and I knew it was lesser than Fletch so that's why we stayed away from it. It's like well anyway, I was like right but maybe now's a good time I've got it. So we watched it just as a counterpoint to Confess Fletch. And, you know, it, it was just nice seeing... Now, it's like with Arnie or Stallone, watching an older film where they're sort of just about still in their prime, as pure, as it were. Um, and so it's just more Chevy, whilst he's still, you know, proper Chevy, 80s Chevy, being Chevy. And so just with that in mind, it's just lovely having that film. And it's okay. It's not based on any of the books, not even loosely, but it still kind of works in a sort of a fletchy sort of way in terms of the mystery. Um, it does have some ridiculous bits and callbacks which aren't necessary, but you know, it has to have the same sort of like a car chase at the same point as there's a car chase in the first film, but this time he's got a fake moustache and he's chased by Ben Dover, you know, Hob, who's all Cobb, Vandal X, Tex, Cobb. Uh, who always plays like prison rapists he's like chasing him on the motorbike and so it's like it's nice fine but it's like well it's like the car chase in the first place it's not really necessary so mm. but anyway it's lesser but it was nice to see so i wanted to say that as well 
Good old Chev, good old Fletch, good old life. I've never read any of them. I'm going to try and do that now, Ships. Is it? It's worth great. my time to give them a go. They're again. different, you know. It's like if you had watched all the Bonds, but you know, it, you could see similarities and stuff. But it's you know, they're all they're different, you know, adaptations and interpretations. And he's a different age in all of the books. Like the books jump around in chronology. So if you read it as they were written. Um, they're, they're all over the place throughout his life, a bit like Flashman in that respect. Um, and so, therefore, he's the wrong age, technically. John Hamm in the book, he's like pretty young, it's one of his first adventures. Um, but it's, it's yeah, but oh, yeah, that's not a complaint, just an observation. But I really liked it, so yes. And one more thing I want to mention really quickly we watched Oscar. The 1991 John Landis film with Sylvester Stallone, Gangster. It was his answer to, you know, he saw Schwarzenegger was doing Twins and then Kindergarten Cop and they were huge hits. He said, oh, I better get in on the action. And he does Oscar and it should work. Uh, you know, and Landis is, you know, great. Um, not, you know, not a 100% track record at that point, but still, you know, it was pre, uh, it was BC3. Before COP3. That's right, you, you see it. Um, so, anyway, but the script is bad. We did finally see it on a Friday night, fueled up, but the script is bad from the off. Um, it does have a Landis, pure Stallone looking directly into the camera, which is all well and good. But the film is badly judged from the off. If it was kind of, I mean, if it was basically analyzed this, which it kind of is anyway, with a gangster wanting to give it up but just done seriously, quote-unquote, like Analyze This, um, where, you know, if Stallone, instead of mugging it up and playing it like a pantomime, which was what was required of him for that, as it was directed and set up, but if the whole film was like he played it as Stallone, as if it was an action film, and everything around him is funny, and he's surrounded by funny people, but he acts and reacts like Stallone, and that could have worked, and that's what, kind of, well that's what kindergarten cop is because he's still tough guy and stuff so that's the fatal flaw and i would love to see a world where there is an oscar directed by landis with stallone with much of the same cast but even throwing some real hard hitters both comedically and and you know and also dramatically and really go for it don amici's in it which is nice wow. but anyway i like to see the other universe version but uh, I saw it. It's not very good, but there were one or two nice moments. And Marissa Tomei is in it before uh, pre-V, uh, pre-Vinny. Uh, uh, so... <laughs> These pre's and B's are not working, Sherry. I just want I need to tell you. It's alphabetic spaghetti all over the floor, I'm afraid. No, I, I do apologize. Um, but nonetheless, um, the film, it gets by on a two-star for the novelty and the, the and the tomato of it all. You say tomato, I say tomato. Oh, that's right. You heard me, man. And, the great cast, yeah. Alone. That's actually turned my head a little. That's quite cool. Um. Um, and Kirk <laughs> Douglas at the beginning, uh, oh, and Stallone God. just being prime Stallone. But it was during his, you know, Rambo three underperformed. Ultimately, Tango and Cash uh, underperformed. Lock up. They, you know, uh, they, they none of them did mega mega. He was on a bit of a wobble, and then Rocky Five didn't do well, and then this, and then stop. Uh, all my mum will shoot. So it was a very rocky time. <laughs> not even. Oh deliberate. my god! Not even deliberate for Stallone. So um, 
it's worth seeing it. I, I've still never seen Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. I assume you've never seen Oscar or Stop or My Mum, but I'm I've seen right Stop. I haven't seen I Oscar. Thought, I, I suddenly yeah. thought maybe you had. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And the line is in the movie. So you don't even need to worry about it. Yeah. It's all there. Right. Chappé, it's all there. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, wow, a, a huge, huge Jimmy. Well, that that was a that was an aside, <laughs> but I'm sure that can be dog bark edited around into something manageable. It's all gold, Sheppy. It's all gold. And then, uh, what uh, I want to ask you quickly: Have you seen the Hills Cop Four trailer? You prompted that no. video. Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't. No, I for some reason I've been sort of like skirting around it. I don't know why, um, because I, you know, I think it's one of those things. I'm a bit. Um, scared not e i mean it's ironic in a sense because uh, or you know very fitting that it's beverly hills cop because that was the originator of like being burnt by a movie where you had expectations that were fair enough and then the film was you know would dash your expectations and it wasn't even very good pretty subjectively um and so beverly hills cop 3 was that but you know all the other little disappointments along the way has left me a jaded husk and and also even with Picard, not that long ago, I still can't watch season three, which everyone says is really good, just because season two is so bad, it's really wounded me. So I'm very hesitant with Beverly Hills Cop because of our, you and I, our history with that franchise and our own versions of sequels of the original Shoulders of Giants, which we've talked about before when we were doing Beverly Hills Cop 17 in the playground uh you know, only last week so so it's all good stuff oh well I, I was, have you, yes have i have seen, seen it and I, I look i've got no hope for it but i it does it is better than you might expect as trailers well, go I, yeah and, that's uh, all i want and it's one of those where you know there's a decent chance the trailer's better than the movie so may as well enjoy the trailer at this point in time well there's still some optimism in the air i sometimes feel that way about things and i felt that way definitely about dial of destiny for example like as a more extreme example like nothing to lose by watching the trailer for me for that one because i had nothing invested right. in it and sort of thought it was going to be crap you know so i was happy to yeah. just enjoy a trailer in case i hated the movie you know uh, but so yeah um <laughs> But but yes, yes, but, Sheppy. Anyway, not much more to say about that apart from all the gang are back, basically. Um, so that's nice. Um uh right, young man, should we do a cheeky little uh welcome to Shoulders of Giants? Because you've just had that's it. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm Jimmy. Hello, I'm Sheppy. <laughs> and today, <laughs> Sheppy, we are embarking on the latest uh, in our zag from the conventional sequels, prequels, TV spin-offs, etc., and continuing with our uh, prisoner experiment, Sheps. Prisoner That's lovely. Experiment. Very well put, Jimmy, actually. That oh, was that was smooth. And you filled me in as well. Because I mean, uh, yes, it's yeah, here we are. Um and we're nearing the finish line, quite frankly. It's not a you know a long show. Um so we've we've got three to talk about today and then we'll have two more and then that's it so we're gonna do um it's, it's like a pitch of some sort i think at some point if i'm mm. right jimmy before the final um, two yeah before we watch the final two just to keep you know it just totally open and fresh with no preconceived ideas uh, and then we can watch the final two and so yeah like a couple more i figure we can maybe record them separately and then put them release them together 
um, is probably nice, probably should, yes. Anyway, so that's nice. For, so for now, we've really got the last three episodes proper, as it were, before we begin the finale. So it's very exciting. And they they deviate from... Yeah, you know, they do. Two I, I... of them. We'll have a, a good old chat about it, Shep. Isn't it this? I want to be very clear. There's a lot to love in each of these episodes. There's a lot to love and short of that, but it's for a show that's been so good up till now. These three, for different reasons, really creak a wee bit, to be honest with you. For me, if it had been more like this, I might have called it early and said, yeah, Sheppy, I'm yeah. not doing this, honestly. But yeah. it's too it's too much like homework now. But I but yeah. it hasn't been. I want to be very clear up to this point. It's been spectacular and a real treat. But these ones, you know, we've got I, I, without you know getting into I won't get into it, but I'll just say we've got one where, you know, he wasn't really there and we had someone else <laughs> playing him and he probably was off doing something else. We had one where, you know, it was a just Yes, interesting and a deviation and a sort of a, a simulation thing, which is really quite a cool and amazing idea. But for a good long chunk, I was just a bit worried that it would just totally derail <laughs> that he was having too much fun and there's too much fisticuffs <laughs> fun. And then one where it just, I actually texted you afterwards and said, Shepard, you got a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Anything like that, where it's a dream sequence or like putting the kids to bed at the end, like well, Mary we Poppins. We can talk about oh, that because I, about all I, that have, I have, I have oh. something to say about all of that. Um, and there are answers uh, from my Wonderful. perspective. You need to help me out, Sheppy. So let's do it. Let's do it one by one, shall we? How about that? Um, uh, Joyous, I want to just again touch on your observation, um, which leads on to my observation of the title sequence of you know, the general title sequence of the show, The Prisoner, in that um, for someone who is an operative of some description, some sort of special agent, a spy, uh, he's not that observant when he's driving around London with this huge hearse just like meters away on his tail, past Buckingham Palace, all the way down the streets, past Victoria, and then to his house, doesn't notice him still just idling on the, on the side of the pavement. Uh, and then, you know, he goes in and then he packs and then he gets gassed. But, you know, why go home? What he should have done is pack, drive and like go to yeah. his underground boss's Perfect. office, thump, break the cup, get in his car and just get the fuck out of town. And just bez off. Um, so two rookie mistakes from numbers. I love that, there. Sheppy. I've got an observation from the beginning too. I've got two little ones if you while well, oh, we're so on observations, fantastic. but that's perfect, Sheps. That's you're so right. It, it was not well planned for number six. Um, I just put a top hat is just hard fucking core in my view. Like he leaves yeah. his car door open as he enters the flat, like you know, uh, as he walks to the flat, sorry, you know, full right. confidence. He like it doesn't matter like someone else no one's going to nick that car because top hat will yeah. bloody catch him up and kill him you know what i mean he's yeah. a wicked character um and uh just just awesome anyway um yeah. and then uh i just put the point that number six first gets gassed is one of the best fart looks ever is my uh, <laughs> other observation for... <laughs> it's a real bending over. Yeah, real... it wasn't me <laughs> with the girl sitting on the bench behind eating their lunch <laughs> awkward I want to say about the um, 
your previous point, which remind me, what was what was your previous point? Before? Oh, blimey. Oh, Top uh, Hat. Top Hat is cool. Yes. yes. No, when he leaves the car door open and he walks at like a funeral march as well, that's the mm. thing, because he's got the whole hearse thing going on. Um, you know he probably transported number six in his fucking coffin. So, yeah, um, yeah so I like his, his funeral march, his pyre type deal, which is nice as well. Um, he's cool. And there's there's a top hat coming up actually in one of these episodes, which is worn well as well, actually. So mm. so that's nice. Um did you like um so what was the first episode? So we've got there? Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, Sheppy. Right. Um so uh, yes. Uh, yes. Now I, what uh... episode is that? Because again, as we always do We've got all sorts of different, um, different uh, title, name, number, episode numbers because it's um, it depends okay. on whether you're looking at number uh, zero or not. I've got this is basically for me episode thirteen. Yeah. But for other people, because the pilot is episode zero, might be a bit weird. But so yes, but for me, it's episode thirteen. Yeah. Absolutely, Sheppy. That's why I see it. That's the order date of the airing in the UK um, in terms of volume of apps. So, yeah, wonderful. But it, like you say, could be 12 for some. But I'm interested in your thoughts. Take me away. Take me, take me, take me, take me down the rabbit hole. I've got some, some observations, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I always like to hear the Sheppy appraisal. And then I have some bits and pieces to add and I'll fire them in if I see an opportunity. But um, yeah. Great number That's two wonderful. in this one, right? I've been sitting in silence because my dog has been losing his shit. So oh. hopefully that hasn't been coming out on your side. No, but I've no been shit this side. With everything you've said. Uh, so, everything <laughs> is um, so yeah, do not forsake me, oh my darling. Um, what an episode. Very interesting. Again, all three of these um, are different um, in different ways. Um, do not forsake me, oh my darling. Cold open, which is relatively rare for the show uh, and with no traditional opening and no number two um, opening narration uh, which is different uh, makes a, a solid scene very dramatic um, going from like there's a good line like do you know where that guy is to the opening theme with the shots and as a precursor even to a later episode deliberate or not I'm sure it is deliberate the theme seemed even more Morricone-esque uh, this time I thought. Mm, so those are my, uh, my initial thoughts. And it starts with one of my favourite things, with uh, number six eating furiously. Um, he's being watched by number two. Number two and his lot are in you know, the big number two room. And they, even they mention his breakfast. Um, and we have them all watching him eating his breakfast as well, and everyone's loving it. And we have number two talking. Um, oh, yeah, he's much more like a traditional Bond villain, this one as well, I thought, mm. um, which is interesting. Which again leads into future parts um, as well, and then then the main experiment starts, um, and then yes, he gets he gets popped into someone else's consciousness, not for the first time either. Uh, what were your thoughts so far on all of this? I loved I love the energy of number two in this one, Sheppy. Like you say, Bond villain esque. He's our most interesting citizen from every point of view, particularly yours. I thought it was a good pun, mm, um, yeah. and that was nice. Um, I did a wee <laughs> bit of uh, I forgot I'd actually googled this, uh, but the specific reason Bakuin did this plot and had to like they had to work, work around. He was I a nice station zebra, yeah. So yeah, that was, yeah, yeah no. interesting. Please yeah. say zebra. 
Um, they're brittle. Sorry, that, that makes me sad. Um, <laughs> but yes, too much it was time down under Um And I, I've seen that film, and it's with Ernest Borgnine, and it's and Rock Hudson. It's okay. So yeah, he went off to do that. So they did this, um, which is like a bit of a like, oh, it is your show, kind of McGowan. Thanks very much. Don't worry. Have a lovely time. But <laughs> the way they get around it, it's it's exactly more or less. It's very reminiscent of the episode of The Incredible Hulk, where what for one week Bill Bixby was off getting divorced. So the episode is part flashback, part um, it focuses on McGee. And you see, like, it, an adventure, a Hulk adventure from like McGee's point of view. It's not as good as I've just made it sound, but it's all right. It, it is great for the McGee character, and you do get here. You know, he is comes across well, and I like McGee, so that works. So anyway, this was like that uh, because McGowan had fucked off to Hollywood to hang out with Rock Hudson. In fact, for the quick spoiler for the future episode with the cowboy shit. The actor who was playing the nasty cowboy, and they have a shootout. Spoiler in that the quick draw, McGowan sent that actor who, and they got on really well. Those two, he sent the actor a letter from Hollywood, a telegram saying, um, "Steve McQueen and Bruce Lee have been teaching me." No, no, not even Steve McQueen and Sammy Davis Jr. of all people have been teaching me how to quick draw, uh, quick draw. So you're in trouble when I get back. See ya, Patrick Hollywood. That's cute. And he's like, ah. Yeah, and they when they did that, I'm just going to jump ahead. When they did do film that quick draw scene, they did watched it frame by frame to see who was the winner. And the in the in the shot they used and the take they used, it was the other guy. And McGill was like, "You win." So anyway, that's a little <laughs> forward aside. But yes, nice. <laughs> um, so I like all of this, and so yes, because McGill away. They can't really play, so they've got this other dude and his consciousness is in that shit. Uh, and then we have some amazing POV shit. Yeah, uh, And amazing great, internal narration. Being John Malkovich, pure 30 years early. Um, yeah, the internal, and also uh, Peep Show for that matter, the internal narration is absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah, I must go over here now. Mumble, mumble, mumble. Yeah. But chilled out. <laughs> Lots of um, dentist like consideration. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like that. Yes, no, I like that as well. Um, you sort of it does sort of begin to become a glorified clip show for a second as well. And I was like, oh no, it is that Bill Bixby ep episode wannabe. Um, but then we do get into the plot proper, and I did start liking this quote unquote number six. Um, and I, you know, so and it, and then it has kind of like old boy slash ant man in endgame time loss shit where he realizes he's been away for a year. And he's like, ah. mm. um, so I liked that. And we kind of had the opening in reverse and he's driving, not walking. And, and they use the photo of number six in a clever way because we never find out his name. So he always just holds up a photo and says, this is me. <laughs> and you're like, okay, fair enough. And also there's that code, which I've written down as Z, that's Z, Jimmy, M73. Uh, as his codename, so you might have known me as ZM73. <laughs> so, um, and there's also new footage, or presumably like from when they filmed the opening footage, you know, the opening sequence of that hearse of him driving around, you know, glorious 60s London, and um, the, and then the recreation of him going into the flat, you know, 
this other number six mm. and and i also like the bit with him checking his handwriting it's like doug quaid checking houses and you know the note you know for a good time go and see melina um in in total recall so it was that and i like that and he after when he's checking the handwriting he's so fucking pleased with himself uh so yeah. i like that as well it was a great little beat wasn't it that how I, I had a little question to ask you that i've got a couple of little things i'll, I'll cover as well we've, we've now passed but just um how would you prove you were sheppy to me ships was going to be my question would it be your handwriting i don't know yeah, well, it couldn't be our handshake. We could do a shimmy shimmy cocoa pop because because of me, no. I've leaked that and you know it. <laughs> I've, yeah, so um, I don't know. I would say about where would I have a banana milkshake? Would it be A, <laughs> behind the tree, B, at the bottom of the garden, or C, on the little wall by the garages? Um, and then I proved to you that I knew. I don't know. That that seems like a good one. Right? It's very hard to do, basically, though, wouldn't it? It'd be very tricky. Not, you know, anything under duress could have been disclosed. Yeah, very <laughs> tricky. Very tricky. A couple of quickies. Like, so I love um, the aggression that he's showing. I know, it, like you say, it did nearly get into the the sort of the... Um, the, the, the kind of just rehashing old old material stuff but we do get the rotten cabbages line again so that made me really happy <laughs> they they obviously appreciated that too um and uh yeah and i loved it and then i'm probably jumping ahead a little actually but just i thought um just meeting number six's fiance was a very interesting beat yeah. to all of this too you know um it, they made a choice to really show because it's not an illusion like other things it is, mm. does seem to be his real life um, and this isn't a dream and this is happening so we are shown suddenly an awful lot of his previous life i like that i really thought that was good yeah this is definitely my favorite of the three that we've watched on this run by the way as well and nice. I, yeah, she technically she kisses a stranger in the garden though yes. with this other number yes. six which is a wee bit problematic but that's yes. uh, so you know we can, well it's we can like just... wonder woman 1984 exactly i put wonder woman two style there you go absolutely bingo. right there bingo. <laughs> so there you are but then you could argue of all the people who sam beckett had sex with you know, is the person whose body he was inhabiting therefore violated in some way or not? <laughs> it's, yeah. You've got, yeah. So there you go. It's the eternal quantum leap question. Amazing. Right. Um, Go for it, yes. Nice. So bring back my Bonnie to me is a theme in this one. Sometimes it's pop goes the weasel, but it's bring back that for this one and there's this sort of roll of the drums which was a nice touch which kind of like built up the tension to a nice crescendo i also just wrote actually as my notes nice green curtains so um so <laughs> there you go no no other context uh simpering weirdo coming for a dance comic reaction when snubbed um that was good yes i remember, remember that. that yeah that yeah. was good stuff uh gives number six the chance to smooch without McGowan's Catholic hang-ups, which I think yeah. we've talked about before. He didn't like showing any romance or sexual interest with anything. And there's a strong sexual chemistry and deliberately in the, woven throughout the whole show, but he didn't like um, direct stuff. So, yeah, here we get to see number six, you know, being amorous, uh, and we get to see it without it being his daughter in a wig. So that was nice. 
Uh, agreed, man. I loved all of that stuff. I loved it, and uh, I, I, I thought um, he, he. <laughs> I, I, I've jumped now to the code bit, Sheppy. I don't know whether it's where, whether I'm going too far, but just uh, the all the slides and stuff with the mountain. Dude, that's, that's exactly my next note. Oh, exactly. beautiful! Go for it. Yeah. So I just, I just go, thought that yeah. was a lovely, satisfying sequence, but utterly ridiculous, utterly ridiculous, <laughs> but lovely and satisfying and happy, you know. So he but, has um... slides, he has photographic slides, and he puts them in the old carousel machine in the right order. And when he projects them all at the same time on the wall, it comes together with like a sort of a 3D message. Um, I like that. That's old school. That's like writing on the mirror style, but even cooler because you have to assemble jigsaw style, the, the message thing, and then you're like proper old school espionage shit. So I'm all for that. No, I wouldn't be able ships. to do that. No, I'd, I'd no, really, I wouldn't. I hate, I'm so glad we, we've moved past the slides era because <laughs> those things, putting those in, they're always upside down and yeah. fiddly getting them out of their thing, getting stuck. Fuck that shit. <laughs> anyway, um, show shady dude at door was great. Uh, again, slightly without context, I'm afraid. Amazing slideshow, blah blah blah. Uh, love the hard cut when it suddenly goes international. Let's, let's go to France. Pow, they're in France, and with the French music, then pow, Austrian music as they're like belting <laughs> through Austria, uh, and then through the Goldfinger location, no less. Yes, I, I thought the Austrian village absolutely delightful, Shepi. Not only would I be useful with the slides, not only would I have taken my time in the village as we've discussed before, but I would just be enjoying the cafe, popping into the barbershop for a say, shave every now and again. I'd probably just decide to retire there for a little while before continuing <laughs> with the mission. Absolutely looked delightful, I thought. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. It would take a long time. It'd be more than 17 episodes if it was the uh, Chibi Prison mission, that's for sure. But I would watch it. Um well, yeah, I'd probably play Angry Birds during some of it, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, yes, um, what a, I like the weird, but it was a strange choice. Uh, the where there's a lack of sound effect for the creepy green postman's ray gun, uh, which causes substantial, quite horrific damage, but there's no like beep or whoop, 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 or anything, it kind of makes it even more creepy. But I don't know if that was yeah. on purpose or someone just fucked up. I really like the energy of the old scientist barbershop barber guy as well. I thought he was cool yes. and had principles yes. and ethics and all of that sort of thing, which I liked. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. Delivers a good Lovely. fuck you to number two at the end as well, which was nice too with the way he yes. conducts his final yes. experiment. Uh, that was all wonderful. Um, the globe trotting was welcome, and it looks like the same set uh, from the Saint. Well, you know, that sort of thing, it, it, which is might have been, but who knows? So, yes, I like that. I agree with you. But the climax, um, when they are back at the village at the end, it is both welcome and and also suddenly like familiar. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're back there. They're in number two's pad. But it's also kind of slightly jarring after all this globe trotting. You're suddenly back. Um, but yeah, but then number six, like proper Maguan, turns up at the end just in time to win and and then yeah it's it, i it laughed out so loud like and continued chuckling when he woke up shippy <laughs> he wakes up from being unconscious and delivers the most ridiculous piece of exposition it's <laughs> wonderful he knows every inch of the doctor's plan which is wonderful and will be now free to continue his experiments in peace peace <laughs> 
<laughs> that was, it was amazing. It was one of my favourite bits of ridiculous exposition for number six. And so it was, it was wonderful. He would know enough to know he's yeah. won, but to know all the details of the Doctor's plan was really fun for me. It really made me happy. Like, yeah. Yeah, don't fuck with number six. He knows everything. Like fucking Batman. Uh, no, that's great. Yes, yeah, because he is Patrick McGowan is number six and vice versa. So he's omnipotent and he knows everything on a basic level. So yes, that's great. Uh, number fifteen. Then oh no, well no, excuse me. Number fourteen is there for Jimmy. If that's um everything great for you for that that's episode, everything on there. I think I've got all of my little bits it. out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did they too. They handled I... the awkward situation of an absent leading man well. Well, I agree. And to be fair to them, like if we're thinking about, and and to be fair to all three episodes, they all do something different that other shows have subsequently done as well. Like you know, so we got there. Yeah. You know, they've 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 got around their zebra situation, and they've managed to you know do something quite cool and put someone else in playing number six in a way that makes sense, yes. which is quite fun. So. There's an episode of Patrick Trout and Doctor Who, which was around the same time as The Prisoner, like 67, 66, 67. And in that, what his companion, Jamie, as played by Fraser Hines, the actor Fraser Hines caught a, the flu or something. And so for one week, couldn't do it. So in this uh, episode, the mind robber, uh, the doctor had to reconstruct Jamie's face because uh, he had been frozen in this sort of weird alternative you know, like dimension with weird rules for the universe so he puts his face back but he gets it wrong and it's another actor for like an episode and a half and <laughs> zoe pops up and she sorts that shit out and makes him fraser hines again so they oh, this nice. reminded me of that <laughs> yeah so they they fraser hind him and uh good hinds means beans i don't know so that's nice and i liked it too and it was much better than it should have been so hooray uh, and, it, <laughs> and yeah it got better for me as it went along now Moving on to episode 14, Living in Harmony, which is a nice title for me. Another cold open. And we've already mentioned Leone and Morricone. Well, here we go. Wow. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, so this is like a Western episode, and you mentioned other shows doing things that this show perhaps pioneered, or certainly is one of the first. This is a Western episode. Uh, the Next Generation did a Western episode. I'm sure the original Trek did a Western episode. Um, I think certainly Next Generation, certainly Red Dwarf, and there have been others. Um, and so that's nice. And again, why not? Because everything has actually done a Western thing in some sense, because Westerns are pretty flexible and can be absorbed into any other genre. So there you go. Um, so with that in mind, I like that. Why not? Good, fine. It's something different, like you see, straight in inspired recreation of the opening but he rides up fast on a horse he goes up to his boss and like slams down his badge and gun so yeah. i liked all of that yeah it was cute <laughs> no number two voiceover of course again but this time um there's a the, the title comes up living in harmony over the image of him like getting fucked up and being beaten up so that was nice as absolutely well. nice. Yeah, it's a great title, like you say, should be great. Harmony is a great name for a town as a metaphor, and it? it's nice. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. It's yeah. pure Western type. Yeah, exactly. Boil the sea and burn the land. You can't eat my special sand. Um, yes, exactly. So, with that in mind, um, Alex Canner, oh no, excuse me, Alexis Canner is the actor who plays the nasty man in the top hat 
who is quite magnetic and mm -hmm. his box come, uh, his name comes up at the beginning in a box. And I think McGowan was just like telling people, watch out for him. And unfortunately, I don't think it ever really took off for him and his potential. And I have a feeling there was some sort of tragic ending at some point, mm. maybe, I don't know. Nonetheless, he's in this and he's very good. And he's also in the late 60s Roger Moore film, Cross Plot, mm. which is kind of North by Northwest light, if you can believe such a thing. And it's great. And he's in that as well. And he's great in that with Rog. So good old Alexis Kanner, um, who also tells a really funny story about Lou Grade, who produced all of this, um, which is good. He did that on one of the prisoner documentaries. So, nice. so I'm looking Alexis... forward to diving into those after all this, actually. Yeah. Yes. Well, I recommend going to the one on YouTube, uh, which is directly from the 70s because McGowan is very open and candid, surprisingly so. It's like he just sort of explains, you know, he's not mysterious at all. It's amazing. Nice. Whereas in later years, when they made the documentary for the DVD, they used the loads of the footage from that, but McGowan said, can you not use anything? Everything I wanted to say, I said in the show. So can you not use footage of me basically just talking about it? But if you want to see him just talking about like, oh, well, this, blah, blah, blah. He also talks about the creation of the rover and like, you know, we needed nice. something to go up the wall, go across the ocean, go on the water, uh, something very cheap. So, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, so, nice. and Alexis Cano is in that telling a nice story about Lou Grade. So that's good. Who also produced uh, The Saint. So there's your Roger Moore connection and therefore the access to the sets. Uh, so, yes, there's every reason to assume. Uh, this uh, one was written and directed by the kind of like the unsung hero of this whole show, David Tomlin, who um, is amazing, who also did second unit work on things like Return of the Jedi some years later and also worked on Last Crusade and just worked on a lot of stuff. And Warwick Davis made this weird, was in this tiny sort of behind the scenes stuff which when they were making Return of the Jedi, uh, which David Tomlin wrote and directed as well and this thing's kind of on legend i don't know if it's available on youtube warwick davis talks about it in his book so anyway um so david tomlin kind of it, for me is like mark frost is to twin peaks where people of course put the focus on lynch and you know obviously yes rightfully so but there's also there's much more mark frost than people realize in peaks and i think david tomlin had more you know than you might think even though, of course, it's McGowan's baby. Um, so go to David Tomlin. He's wicked. Um, and I also like, so I've had one observation. Um, number six corrects the grammar with whom, uh, which I always like, and it's cool. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah, he's great. He makes a good cowboy. He's, you can't take yes. your eyes off him at the saloon. He's really no, good. No, certainly yeah. not. He's great. And again, you're not given any explanation until the very end. Um, it's like the one after this. You're just presented with this reality and you just go with it or get fucked, basically. So you're like, oh, he's a cowboy now. Okay, he's a cowboy. And you're watching. Um, and and really, I mean, there's a good delivery of $5,000, which apparently I can't recreate because I've now forgotten. But I've written here, amazing delivery of $5,000. <laughs> um, 
nightmarish POV of dude being hanged. Which yeah, is I've got insane. that exactly the same thing. Crazy right. POV hanging sequence, intense was my words. Yeah, yeah, really intense. And you see it go over and everything. It's like that scene in Apocalypto where the guy gets like sacrificed and stabbed through the heart and it's POV. And it's really like, yeah, it puts you right there. Horrible. So that's good. Good old Tomlin. Um, lots of biff, baff and boof. And, a, and also a fairly standard storyline, you know, because the oddity is the setting itself. And so the, the Western story plays out conventionally because um, it doesn't need to be weird throughout. Um, and then Six finally picks up the gun after you know, being the reluctant gunslinger, um, but he leaves the badge, which is nails. Um, that's nice. By the way, so the theme here of the reluctant gunslinger, which is a current Western motif uh, in many, many things. Um, but actually, this episode was banned in uh, the US um, originally. And they said because of the mind altering drugs. But of course, there are mind altering drugs in most of the episodes. And the reason turned out because of the Vietnam War and his anti gun stance was seen as, you know, we, we don't want to get that message out there. So it, was, it wasn't shown. So there you are, a little bit of triv uh, for you. Um, nice but yes, shoes. he does pick up the guns at the end, of course. And then there's this excellent um, double cool, um, like he shoots the dude and he steps past the body without looking to confirm death, which is never a good idea, but in this case it paid off. Um, this Alexis dude, the, the whole character is so unlikable and um, throughout and so oafish and drunk, but just so dangerous. One of those live wire psychos kind of like a stupid Joe Pesci type, Goodfellas type, but, you know, a Frank Darabont, Stephen King nightmare, that sort of character. Um, and he certainly plays it very well as well. Yeah, I mean, the cigar um, into the neck moment is pretty... Yes. Blind. Yes, yeah. and it's really drawn out as well. Yeah. Um, and it comes, you see it coming, it's, yeah, it's horrific. Also, um, amazing twist with a kind of a funny games slash Flash Gordon jarring moment where you're kind of like, yeah, oh, of sort of non-conformity with number six finally getting the gun, going into the place, shooting the baddies when the main bad, the villain, pulls out a gun and shoots him dead. And you're like, oh, no. Like, and not even in a, like, dun, dun, dun moment. It just sort of happens uh, really matter-of-factly. You're like, fuck. Um, and, but then, and it's right in the middle of his big hero scene. Uh, so that's nice. And after that convention breaker, everything goes nuts and six wakes up and he's back in his number six suit and then he sees the baddie and he attacks him and the fight music starts immediately but it's immediately cut off um as the baddie is revealed to be a cardboard cutout and you're like oh no and the penny drops big time <laughs> that's great it's like the it's the poor man's holiday you just surround yourself with cardboard cutouts that you stole from the local Safeway. You get mind fucked, and then you run around and have conversations and shit with cardboard horses. Um, it's good stuff. You lose an afternoon that way. Uh, so I like all of that. Um, <laughs> the Western town. Um, oh, I love the horse shot where you do have the two D horse, and um, you number six runs up to it, and the camera follows. You know, so it really highlights the fact that it's flat and he's kind of facing the camera as it moves past. Really good. So I like all of that. 
are we on the theme uh we're not sheppy because i've got actually heaps on this one weirdly so i might have to retreat in a minute but get to the end yeah. i'll just give you a couple of little sprinkles in a minute no, no that's yeah, no, good. good i want you to i want you to go back let's go okay well i just say that like, i thought like back to old old tom the man like you're saying this guy so i mean there's a wonderful um edit point where well just shot really of um our number six being dragged into the bar by rope and then in the same shot it stops at, at exactly the right moment up to the judge who then uses a shot glass as a gavel and it's just yeah. really specific and nice and all the camera work is really specific and nice in this episode and i just thought it was a very clever little shot there and just nicely yeah. timed um i thought there's a moment where um the kind of the 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 damsel who's in it too but of course is back on the village also playing it but you know she she kind of gets caught releasing him and it's sort of this how do you plead moment for her when she's on the hook she didn't know that he wasn't really a prisoner and all this sort of thing yeah. and there's just this very interesting moment where she, we know she's been brought in at night and as she's being asked this she just gets this she's just kind of reflecting and we get this shot outside of daylight and it just made me sort of it could be the time has passed as they've been making judgment on her, but I like to think it was just sort of like a very artistic little flourish from our man Tomlin and just yeah. we're seeing a little memory of hers as she's getting into I don't know, I just thought it was a nice little beat. It made me happy. Um I really enjoyed the judge number two performance as well as your your um sort of, you know, uh crazy pesky character. Like I just I th I thought he was really cool and I looked him up a bit and like said so David Bauer was his name. And he's in You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever as well, apparently. Oh. Um, but he he actually died of a heart attack a few years later. And it was really interesting. They go in Wikipedia, they go, died of a heart attack at his home in London on either the 8th or the 13th of February, 1973. Oh. So it was weird. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> two dates like that. Anyway. And not um, between those dates. But no, either of those either two. Of those two. Of those. Definitely not 9th, 10th, 11th or 12th. Yeah, no, absolutely. certainly not. Um, and then, he uh, was seen on those days out on the bus, yeah, but it could still yeah. be the, the sex vote. Could have been the ghost. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and he was only 50. Oh, David, you know I'm oh. obsessed with age, Shippy, but just, uh, yeah, so I only 50. And he just had him in my mind. I wonder who he was. I wonder if he was different people in those two respective boys. Yeah, no, I can't do that. Uh, I put I too it. much fisticuffs, but quite a cool drumbeat score between the fisticuffs. But I thought it was quite fun. Um, and I said it does look like fun without guns before the crazy top hat the bloke with cigar puts the cigar into the neck. Um, it yeah. does look like fun without guns. Good old life without guns. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've just true. put... Oh, go on, Sheps, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I literally was oh, just agreeing with you. I was like, yeah, it's, it's totally uh, true. It's so creepy, um, the kids number eight, and just yeah. the moment he pops up between the steps at the end, right. um, it was very now we've good. caught up because, yeah. yeah, I didn't yeah. want to get into the end of it all, I wanted to sort of, yeah, mm. kind of catch up. So, this is at the end when the penny drops and number six runs out, and then he finds out this whole place is made of cardboard. It's like, right, just like, oh, there's the village, and he's just like on this little hill, and the village is right there, uh, which is like, oh no. So he goes, he scampers down the hill and he marches into number two's place and he's all ready to go full number two and smash, you know, the table and break a, you know, make a, a cup fly up and break and so on. But he sees the girl is in there. And after their genuine connection, as it turns out, it really takes the wind out of, you know, number six's sails uh, and he just fucks off. 
and then you find out she is really affected by it and she fucks off and then they're both like skulking around feeling sorry for themselves at the old ghost town western setting you know and then she's crying we stay on her and then the guy you would think maybe they're going to meet and you know and something will happen for better or worse but then yeah this guy just silently emerges from you know from between the stairs and it's really unsettling mm-hmm. uh truly horrible and then you know tomlin reminds me of ralph steadman but he's like the seemingly mild-mannered english dude in a cardigan who travels around with hunter s thompson in the 60s and 70s and the things they get up to and the the hallucinogens and all sorts of things that they take but he's always just like hello how's it going <laughs> and it's um and it's it's the same sort of deal i think tom is just like has like this like hello you know really sort of like bbc workman like hi wearing wellies and then he like pulls out some really dark deeply disturbing like imagery and like you know a 1960s um, you know, tv show it's uh yeah it's good stuff and then he fucking strangles her after some some you know after we had like him raping her and killing and being bitten and having this attack earlier when he was a bit of a riri now he's like totally deranged and he strangles her number six is outside here's screaming rushes inside and it's fucking the dude who's doing the screaming as he strangles her which makes sense because she couldn't scream if she's being uh, strangled. So maybe they just had to say, oh, I'll do it. But it's so, so terrifying uh, that he's screaming her as he strangles her to death. Uh, and then she talks to number six and she's fine. She's like, don't worry about me. And then she dies. But her voice is fine for a second. Um, but that's fine. Um, and then the dude fucking loses his fucking mind and tops himself by jumping off the balcony. Um it's a very yeah. traumatic it's Chevy. It's very yeah. traumatic. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. It's for triple whammy. She dies. She's not dead, but she's betrayed him. Oh, she has betrayed him, but now she's died in pretty much the same manner again, uh, in the same place. So it's like he goes through a, such a roller coaster, a dark rainbow of emotion uh for all of that. Uh so yes, damn you. Yes, uh, amazing. And then but Ultimately, it's a very, very bitter victory, but number six wins. He isn't broken. He hasn't given anything away. Um, the baddie has lost his mind and died. He's been betrayed by yet another female, and it's really hurt him, and she's died, and it's not the first time that's happened. He's like fucking Bond. So that's unfortunate. But number two is fucked because the scheme hasn't worked and ended in disaster, um, and number six has remained intact. So it's a victory, but a bitter, hollow one. Poor old number six. I love his look for number two with the sort of, your time's up, pal, but just disgusted at him with the collateral damage of this one. I, I, I loved it. Yeah. I, sort of just, I put it as one of my favourite, I won't be seeing you looks from number six at the end. Like, you know, because he, sort of, he has a few of those looks at the end when number two loses, but this is my favourite, I won't be seeing you. Um, the yeah. uh, the only thing I forgot to mention, Chef, was just just before he got killed in the hallucinogenic virtual thingy. Um, he uh, and this is again probably credit to the director, but he is surrounded. Most of the surrounding is an elevated crew, and he manages to duck behind the bar and pick most of them off until he doesn't pick them off. And I thought that was just very clever because it was an impossible position, but they managed to kind mm. of pull off a bit of number six coolness before he got shot so that's, nice um, yes 
yeah lovely and again a, a really nice reveal when it turned you know you're you're shown the reality and you know your patience has paid off you know without being told what was happening so yeah i like it all uh yes jimmy yes and now, now sheppy you have a hell of a lot to fucking answer for so all right look this is episode 15 the girl who was deaf uh, we're back to having a full intro, and I'm glad to see it. I love a cold open, but it was nice to see the uh, after a two-episode absence. Um, but then it starts off on you pretty suddenly, and you realise, oh, we're going off on another one of those uh, massive tangents uh, for the second time, third time in a row, actually. It's a, it's a good trilogy, like you mentioned, actually, with that each one is very weird in its own special way. So it's nice that we ended up doing it this way as a as a three when we did the two yeah. episodes previously um i'm gonna say jimmy that i like this i don't care i'm I mean, gonna say <laughs> just that it's like an episode of the avengers suddenly uh and i expected steed and mrs peel to turn up yeah i mean look it's like a totally different show basically yes. and maybe for good and bad i don't know but it is He's having lots of fun, good for him, and that's nice. And I'm happy McGowan <laughs> had some fun finally. Um, uh, but some of the, yeah, I mean, of course, it gets, it, it has so much fun, and then it it does this most horrific thing, which you know, for all of the novelty and fantastic storytelling and great ideas and thinking outside the box, and I can absolutely get round the last two where it turns into what it turns into and all this sort of thing, but. Because there are things in this that are just so horrifically laughable, like in a hilarious way. If we were doing it over beers, we'd be crying with laughter. Um, you know, there's there's car to car hypnotism for God's sakes in this. Um, mm. And of course, you're thinking all the way along, what the hell? What am I watching? What am I watching? And it gets itself off the hook with what it's doing at the end, which is the crappiest number two plan. Mm. Which we won't go get there in a minute. <laughs> But crap is number two plan, and like a, and a a kind of a rug pull that is as old as time. So that's what I'm really trying to get to is this idea of I woke up and it was all a dream, or it was all a story for right. the kids, you know. Like so, like okay, but you've done so many things that are so cool that are different before. Did we really have to go here? Is my sort of feeling. But there was fun to be had, Shep. So I'm not I have... bagging out on the prisoner. I'm no, just no, no, but. I have maybe it's what I've been um, calling a fan wank in my in my interpretation of some of this. Maybe um, I'm giving it things that don't exist, but I will I, I I will say to now I'll jump straight in. Then so the end being that it's number six reading some children a bedtime story, and number six is like I thought in front of number uh, number two is like. I thought in front of lots of little children, number six would lower his guard and tell us, you know, why he resigned and tell us his secrets. But so in a literal sense, if he's literally in that room reading the stories of children, then yes, that's 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 not good. Um, but the way I see it is it's all in his mind. Um, and it's a it's a, like a double total recall thing. So the children are in his mind the book is in his mind he's been put deep into a scenario in his mind where he's reading the truth quote unquote to these children and he's kind of like in the nexus but 
he knows on his deepest number six level that it's a hoax and he's in another fake holodeck wannabe. So he goes, right, I'll tell you the truth. And he creates, because it's all basically a dream within a dream, he creates this adventure, which is so outlandish and wild. And then it explains why he suddenly got a flashman twirly moustache. And it explains when they're driving and she kind of unsettling to me, leans back and it's rear projection, but it plays into that. And she twiddles her finger like Samantha from Bewitched and he flips around and it's not just an, an optical illusion because then it cuts inside the car and he is being flipped around and backwards and forwards and she's doing it with a finger but she even better it she keeps looking forward and then back over her shoulders to continue to do the finger flippy car thing but then she keeps looking forward to make sure she's not going to crash even though it's all rear projection it was just like an extra weird touch which she didn't need to do the audience was on board or not but either way but she still you know sold the driving of the car um but it, again, the ending explains all of that if it's seen through this particular prism, which I choose to see it through, where it's an inception type deal and they're both playing each other inside their own internal sunshine of the spotless mind situation. And she's aware. And so she's like, going, oh, now I have a massive machine gun and a Kaiser helmet. And he's like, I'm going in here. And then the, the, the gun exploding backwards, which was really hardcore. And then all the bodies are sprayed like everywhere one is upside down was wonderful and then the double fuck you with the with the grenades and then they go to throw them and you know and it pops off i like that I'm, and now i'm getting ahead of myself and all backwards and forwards but my point ultimately is if seen in that way and like i say maybe i'm giving it too much but i think because we've seen things within his mind within his mind enough can we assume that when he says good night children and he walks out of the room that's him essentially waking up from his dream. And they're all watching this on the screen, but he's never physically in the room with the children. And I think if you see it like that, but again, maybe I'm giving it too much. That's nice, Sheppy. And I, maybe that that's definitely better for sure. An eternal sunshine style, dreamy thing. Is but look, don't get me bloody wrong. I was chuckling away. There's some yeah. amazing shit in here. Like some of the well, best number six shit is in here. Like, you know, there's some yeah. really funny stuff. If it's in his deep psyche, then it's a fun deep psyche and it shows different sides to number six yeah. in a way. Like, you know what I mean? So it's it's quite... not an adventure that he's actually had, depending mm. on what sort of adventures you think he had when he before he was in the village, how outlandish those adventures were. But I don't think I never were, thought that I either. It. I never no. read it like that either. It was no. more just that it was sort of a, what am I really watching here, though? This does feel ridiculous. And then yes. it is ridiculous. But then yes. it might not be ridiculous, maybe. Yeah. Right, anyway, right, anyway. right. right. Um, but if you lean into the ridiculousness, and I mentioned the Avengers, meaning you know the, the, the 60s TV show, and it is very that, and it's that era as well. And so you've got the, the, the cricket match, and they swap the, trick, the cricket balls, and then it, it explodes. That's pure the sort of thing that 100% probably has happened in at least one episode of The Avengers. So with that in mind, just seeing number six in that sort of scenario, I'm like, that's great. Yeah, it's like- if I it's mean, Sheppy, to... it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> the Colonel <laughs> killed one short of 100. <laughs> that's the news. It so certainly dry. wasn't cricket. Certainly wasn't cricket. That was amazing. Oh, yes. And, um, yes. and it was like the standards- standard yeah. disguise to take over where the colonel left off 
and then it's and it feels so dreamy because it's right back at that final ball again and then he's got his mutton chop disguise and i just put are we watching a benny hill episode i just was like <laughs> what the fuck is going on immediately like it's amazing I like the the shot of when the guy uh, bowls the exploding ball. He goes in, it does it twice. Goes into this really horrible close up as he lobs the fatal ball of the uh, of the guy. Um, like it's a big close up, sudden big smash close up, disgusting. Um, so I like that. Um, and yes, exactly like you say, going in straight away. Okay, it's a big crazy adventure. He's wearing the Flashman mutton chops, uh, which I like as well. I would watch five seasons of this, <laughs> um, but you know that would be something different. Yes, it wasn't cricket, brilliant. Um, oh, and when I love it, of course, when they do the flip. So he's he number six is now batting with the exploding ball, and he catches the ball, and that's his solution, and it's brilliant. And then he throws it, and he gets past that. And then I have to say, it, there's one of my favorite scenes in anything ever, where yeah. he gets the that he goes to the pub. It's a really nice pub. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's fucking cool. It's so cool on every level, all of it. So he goes, it's this really nice pub, and he gets a drink. Um, and the, the drink reveal is perfection. Um, so he gets the drink, and he's drinking the drink, and the drink level goes down. And you see his point of view inside the glasses. The drink level goes down at the bottom of the glass, and it says something like, you, and he drinks more, and it says, have, and it goes down a bean, uh, you've just been which is even cheekier you have just been and he finishes the drink poisoned uh, it's brilliant uh, it's amazing I couldn't believe so... it Sheppy okay, you, yeah. you finish this no, 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 please say. please I was just going to say, like, I used to dine out about 20 years ago on, like, I've got the best idea in the world. And I, I have genuinely beaten myself up about it for 20 years. I never did anything with it with, to advertise at the bottom of pint glasses. And you know what? McGowan did it. So I don't really care. You know, well, he didn't do it, but like, he had the thought to have something there. So it's all done. I don't even need to right. worry about it for myself. That's lovely. Okay, great. I don't need to worry about that. But then That's I love it. That cocktail, <laughs> Thing, yeah, <laughs> and at the um, I love that at the local pub before he even gets in there, there's a space right by the door just for him, like zoop, in with the car. Yeah. You're like, yes, amazing. And yeah. then, I mean, we're gonna get there right now, Sheppy. But what a top shelf! He then pulls out yeah. the bag to cure himself. Solution. Yes, yeah, it's oh it's, it's masterful. It's a it's a fantastic setup, and then a genius solution where yeah, he just goes through, like you say, top shelf, goes through all the shelves. And just orders a shot of everything across the bar, and he connects them. Uh, one of the and he doesn't get sloppy. He remain. Uh, he has that perfect glass, you know, row of glasses, all shapes and sizes, from the Quattro to to the Baileys to to everything, um, Shinzano and Malibu, and uh, and it's lined up so perfect. And he's put all of his stoned, well, not stoned, but that sort of direct focus, that drunk focus. He's directed all of it. Then he just goes and pukes his guts out. That's uh, genius. I love it. <laughs> it's wonderful. It is one of my favourite number six moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the message on the hand towel when he pulls it down. Is yeah, right. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of messages I put here, Sheppy, to meet at places without times as well. So there's like a lot of waiting around for hours, to be honest, really, in reality, isn't there? Like... Yeah. I hope yeah. they'll be there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's lovely. 
Um, uh, yeah. Then we've got like pure Thunderball, where he's in a steamer and they and they put the the, the broom handle through the Amazing. door. But he just busts out, and then it's revealed. <laughs> surprisingly, I think it's safe to say I was surprised that he's wearing number six is wearing like an old <laughs> Sherlock Holmes outfit, basically uh, heavy tweed, kind of a cape, almost like a tweed poncho, one of those things. The deer stalker, um, fascinating. Yeah, no idea what's going on apart from to your early theory on this episode right. here, Sheps. Maybe he's just taking the piss because yeah, he knows so. that they're in his mind, so he's just doing shit like that. Yeah, that's he might starting to make it a little bit more clown. Yeah, yeah, he could have just done an octopusy more type do do, but he did deer stalker instead. The worst thing to wear if you're going to wear clothes in one of those steamers. Wearing all that heavy tweed is a terrible idea. So oh, he comes God. out, yeah. then he meets the Polish giant and he has to fight him. And that, that was great. Had fun <laughs> with that. Um, and then uh, the hard cut from the boxing to the tunnel of love, which was brilliant. Yes. Um, and their exchange, the Polish giant in number six was brilliant as they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, loved it. Loved it, loved it. Loving the girl's legs as well in this. Very sexy yes. legs, Sheps, yes, I have to certainly. say. Yeah. It's true enough. Ghost of a tunnel of love. She's there, but he doesn't even see her. I got the impression she's leaning there being sexy, waiting for him to be like, oh, hello. But he's just like busy, just like enjoying himself on the tunnel of love. And she's like, oh. And so she puts the speaker on the thing and fucks with his <laughs> brain instead. She's like, fine. <laughs> so that's nice. Uh, I like that. I like the hard cut to the tunnel of love. I like that in my mind then. So she laughs maniacally, which makes him, I would say, throw the radio from his little boat into the tunnel of love water, and then it explodes. If she hadn't laughed maniacally, he wouldn't have thrown the radio and he would have died <laughs> and it would have blew up. That's my, that's my takeaway from that. That's perfect. Um, but I like it. Um, and then from the sauna to the whole chase, there's this huge chase now, um, and it's all in tweed still, which is impressive. And he slowly starts losing layers of clothing, but for most of the time, he's wearing the full gear, which is impressive. She keeps popping up in different places, wearing the Kaiser helmet and so forth. Um, it starts to get really psychedelically edited as he chases through the amusement park and there's all sorts yeah. of weird things and backwards time and stuff. And But then again, it's not the first time in the show it's done you know, twisted reality and like cheated and it's only you know, deliberately and stuff. But still, within this context, it makes sense. Um, then she becomes Penelope Pitstop. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that or and or Speed Racer, um, but she, she proper yeah. pit-stopped it up. Um, I, I did think the roller coaster stunts were quite impressive, Sheps, before we leave yes. the amusement park. That was just good. Yep. Just Isn't a note. It's funny the that there hasn't everywhere. ever been, like, you know, there, there are some, but there hasn't been a really good roller coaster action scene in a film, in a Bond or a Mission Impossible or anything. Uh, there's there's some, and we saw it in this, and there's, but, but there isn't like a really good one which exists. So if someone ought to do that at some point, like a fight on top of a roller coaster in a film and done really well. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know there's, yeah, there's, yeah, every example I can think of is a little bit shit or a cartoon. So yes. 
Um, the closest I would say would be Temple of Doom, Minecart, but it's yeah, which is close. Um, but mm. you know, yeah, you want it, you want it like that. Good stuff anyway. Very very nice. Uh, I like the line. Uh, well, first of all, the shopkeeper names like the butcher was called like Mister Beef or something, and the candlestick maker was like Mister Snuffit. Um, genius. <laughs> um, so that was nice. And there's a line: "You are a born survivor. I am a born killer. We were made for each other." She says to him, "Which is fucking wicked." <laughs> I like that a lot. I like it. Uh, Six is looking nails with his machine gun. There's a couple of really cool shots um, where which I which I liked. Um, and then the spikes, which were uh, electrified spikes, uh, which was amazing as well. Again, good stuff. Cyanide candles, which if you oh. blew out and blow up and they're just burning and giving off cyanide. And his solution to line up a bunch by the big metal doors. And then, yeah, the, 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 the what's it called? The blower. But it's got a name. The fanny thing, yeah. The fanny mm. thing. <laughs> which, which bolsters up the fire and you go, you know, um, so yeah, he blows and the candles go up and it blows up the door and he escapes from the cyanide candles, which is cool because he's doing things like the Avengers, um, but he's doing them equally well. He's like doing even like a sideways pastiche, but his quality of gimmick and get out and action is good. It's yeah. not weak. Um, it's, a, it's really solid stuff. Uh, so I like that. There are no cheats within the logic of the action setup, and which is nice. Um, weird shit with her manipulating the reality of him. I wrote, um, um, which is nice. Uh, evil female voice when she's speaking on the speaker, she becomes a real quipper. Um, everything is like a clever pun, uh, which is nice. Um, the machine gun Kaiser helmet, of course. Oh, yeah, and she's shouting, wee, whilst lobbing these grenades, like World War One style yeah. grenades. And that's kind of, like, creepy in itself. Mm. Um, and then there's the makeup. Um, and then a cool... Uh, oh, yeah, she puts on her makeup after doing all of that and gets out the little compact with the mirror, which is charming, and I like it. Um, then the cool heli hitch by Six. So you know, he runs up and does the classic jumps on the helicopter. She doesn't notice. Fair enough. Uh, and then he he you know he goes and jumps in a bush, and she doesn't know he's hanging on uh, to the side of the copter. But I'm cool with that. I like that stunt. It was good. It was a good stunt. Absolutely. <laughs> they always look so flimsy. The choppers, don't they? And her that that was no exception. They, these choppers from this age, just yeah, look really scary. Yeah, it's like it the work. one from from Russia with Love, which gets blown up. It's that sort, and it's yeah, they're all really flimsy. And again, the Avengers and all of the champions as well. Um, anyway, Kenneth Griffiths, uh, Kenneth Griffiths, Kenneth Griffiths, Kenneth Griffiths. There you go. Kenneth Griffiths, um, who might was in this as the big, big baddie at the end of it, the father, um, who you might recognize from four weddings and a funeral. Oh. You, don't, you don't think I know my own brother? Classic. Oh, wow. Him, wow. him uh, was also in The Wild Geese, uh, which is the uh, late 70s Roger Moore, Richard Burton, Richard Harris triumph. Um, so he's in that. <laughs> Uh, he's in A Night to Remember, the Titanic film. Wow. 58. 
What a career. And he did other things. He had a highly prolific. So it's just worth an extra shout out to him. And he's great in this. And and I liked him, um, his performance once he's... In, again, like in a Bond film, the villain introduced fairly late with the main focus being on her for the most part. And they get to the lighthouse, um, which is great. And then again, they, you know, the rocket is the missile. And number six kind of robs that moment from the villain by mimicking him and saying and <laughs> anticipating, which is also kind of like a real fuck you. And it's in character to number six, but in more of a James Bond, you know, situation. But he's adapted himself, but he's still number six. He's like, you could be a Blofeld, you could be like a Stromberg, or you could be like a number two, but I'm going to do my pure number six shit on you and just fuck with you, which he does which I like. Um, so don't fuck with number six in any genre, basically. <laughs> um, so um, the, 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 the grenades is great. One of the guards looks like Ross Kemp, I've written here, oh. uh, which I think is worth remembering. And also at one point, McGowan, um, an Irishman, affecting a very broad Irish accent, uh, which I Oh yeah, I wrote that too. And Irish yes. accent was a disaster. Amazing. It was interesting. How yeah. do you get your own accent? Well, it must be deliberately doing a caricature. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. The gun reverse is amazing, of course. Uh, oh, and also discussing the rope. Uh, it will hold an elephant. And number six says, I'll remember that when I next go climbing with one, uh, which is brilliant. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Uh, six saying the baddies revelation in sync. Yes, yes. I like how they, the baddie pair, the father-daughter, go from being totally in charge and icy to totally losing their cool when they're escaping and they're like stuffing the bags with like papers <laughs> for ages and ages. And there's some amazing ad-libbing. I have no doubt um, some ad-libbing. Like, I, I told you to file this correctly and stuff like that. Brilliant. Uh, then it cuts... And we first have the reality cut where we see that it's you know, the, the explanation, the fake horse you know, revelation, as it were, equivalent. And we cut to this room, a children's playroom, huge close-up, massive gollywog, slightly distracting and awkward. Yeah. Um, but there you go. And again, um, I'll, I'll go with that. Bedtime strategy from number two. And another number six win, ultimately. So something different, but um, ultimately, I'll say I, I liked it um, and I, I am on board if I'm allowed to have my interpretation of the ending. And that number six hasn't just been put in a room with some kids and they've been asking, why did you resign, mister? Well, that's a long story. I don't think anyone would expect number six to like give in in that sense. So there has to be some deeper level of like, you know, psychosis and mirage going on uh, so so there you go i accept uh, your theory theory sheppy it turns it from a two star with five star moments to a three star with five star moments for me so yeah. that's nice so um i'll just add a couple of little sprinkles from it too as well because i think you covered a lot of things i was going to say too it's just uh i think the um i love their 
their flirty gear change exchange him and the girl when they are doing their car to car hypnotism it's sort of it's got a lot of golden eye vibes that to me um oh, and nice. you, so that was happy um I, I enjoyed all the booby trap house stuff that you touched on as well that was lovely I, I love a, a vo commentary that's perfectly timed i put here um mm. if the candles blow out they explode just as he was mid-breath doing it, it was just quite cute i thought it was lovely nice. um the uh I, I like we were saying with all the wee wee explosions I, I just like the goodbye lover kiss off line with the bazooka was just really nice after all of that i thought that was good pink panther style music hilarious and totally you know <laughs> and there's a real campness to him throughout the whole episode i thought which is just really interesting <laughs> like just sort of, <laughs> just a very different number six we see uh, in this little yeah. 50 minutes um but okay. yeah Sheppy, so look yes overall of course as we enter this sort of now final stage of this epic experiment thank you so far um you know i suppose it's first off thank you mr mcgowan then thank you mr tomlin and then thank you mm -hmm. mr shepherd at the moment as far as i'm concerned so i'll take um, third you know, billing that's great yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah so like that was that was an thank interesting you, trio well wonderful yes um yeah, very nice, very nice. And yes, it did work as a trio, so that was an extra bonus. So um, coming then next will be our pitches and then our discussion of the finale. Um, and I hope that people who have been listening to these have found them interesting. If anyone has any suggestions of something similar that we could watch and discuss in perhaps in the future, uh, nothing really long running, you know, not, not multi-seasons or anything, but just something like this, which is... You know, 17 episodes, 20 episodes of all. Um, right in. Otherwise, uh, Jimmy, is there anything else you would like to say on the matter uh, or some sort of side off that perhaps might seem relevant? Uh, I can't think of one apart from the conventional be seeing you, Sheppy. I, I don't, I, I'm always the one without inspiration at this point. You normally carry us over the finish line. I don't know what to say. I got uh, nothing. Uh, my mind has been wiped. I've been fake lobotomized like number six. Uh, I've been forced to think that I'm in a Western with a cardboard horse. So no, no, my, my brain is frazzled. Um, you can ask my double who will be here any second. So no, I'll be <laughs> seeing nice. you, Jimmy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> 